from Exodus, chapter 3, beginning to read at the first verse. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the, land, from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And the second reading comes from John chapter 8, beginning to read at verse 48. The Jews answered Jesus, 
Aren't we right in saying that you are Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, My glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word is a lamp that lights our path. Pray that as we look at it together this morning, we would hear afresh from you. That you would speak into each of our hearts. And that we would be transformed to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. Take these words and use them for your glory. Amen. What's in a name is a very good question for us to be asking as we continue our series this morning on names of God. If you were here last week, you'll have heard as Paul White kicked us off speaking about Elohim reminding us helpfully of how that that word, that Hebrew phrase Elohim, speaks to us of God's self-sufficiency and his glory. And the fact that God longs for us to serve him in order that he may, in return, serve us. This week we find ourselves looking at one of the best known names of God, but perhaps one of the trickiest for us to really understand and apply in our day-to-day lives. We're going to look at Yahweh, a word that for many Jews and for some Christians still today is so holy and revered that it's never uttered out loud. But before we get to that name, before we get to Yahweh and what it tells us about God and indeed what that means for us, first of all we need to try and understand or remember the significance of God having a name at all. 
And to do that, we have to start with some Old Testament context, because in the ancient world, in the Old Testament world, names carried immense meaning, far more than I think they do for us today. Names weren't just labels in this society. Your name was tied up with your deeper identity, tied up with your destiny. Names for the majority of the ancient Israelites were a one-word definition, a one-word biography, usually either of who that individual person was or some sort of theological statement about the God that they believed in. Think for a moment of Abraham, whose name is changed from Abram to Abraham and ends up meaning the father of many nations. His name encapsulates his story. Or think of Isaac, whose name means laughter, named because when his mother Sarah um, heard that she was to give birth, she laughed at the ridiculousness of it. There are many other examples of this that I'm sure you will know of throughout the Old Testament. These names carried with the meaning about who that individual person was. The other common use for names in the ancient world was to make a theological statement about God. Think of names such as Toby or Jude or Elizabeth, names that we still have regularly today. We need to remember at this stage that for anyone in the ancient world, names meant a significant deal. When you met someone and you asked them their name, that name told you something about who that person was in their deepest sense. It told you something of their story, something of their calling, Or it told you something about the God in whom they believed. So when we read, as we do this morning, of Moses asking God for his name, it's within that framework and that understanding. Moses isn't looking for a label. He isn't looking for something he can shout to get God's attention. Moses wants to know who God really is. Another way of framing Moses' question, what is his name, as he says in verse 13, might be, God, what is your meaning? Or quite simply, God, what makes you, you? Note that up to this point in the biblical narrative, God has yet to reveal his name. We've managed to get to this point without God revealing his name. He's revealed titles. He does so, for example, in Genesis 17, when God speaks to Abraham and speaks of El Shaddai. But he's yet to actually reveal his name. Moses was living within this framework of the importance of names and knowing God hadn't yet revealed his name. He knew God as El Shaddai. He knew God as God reveals himself in verse 6 of today's reading. The God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. But what Moses really wants to know is what is God's name? And God's name is Yahweh. One commentator put it like this. This is a God of many titles, he says. A God of many titles, but of one name, and that name is Yahweh. So what we see Moses doing here is immensely significant and extremely audacious. As hopefully we can now see, the reason he wants to know God's name rather than another of God's titles is because God's name will tell Moses who God really is at his deepest level. 
They will tell him about his character, his story, his identity. In the context of Moses' own life, Moses' own journey with God, knowing God's name is what allows Moses to then go back to the Israelites, back to Pharaoh, and begin the process of leading the Exodus out of Egypt. In order to do that, something within Moses needs to know exactly who God is before he can do that. Despite the titles he knows of God and the revelations God has already given Moses, Moses wants to know more. What is his name? What God makes you God? And this in verse 14 is what God responds with and it's a very, very famous verse. I am who I am in the first part of verse 14. Shortened later in that verse simply to I am. In Hebrew, it's Eir, Asher, Eir, and we struggle in the English to really translate it, partly due to the complexities within the Jewish tradition of of whether to even pronounce it, partly to do with some of the Hebrew language constructs, but we tend, when we do think about it, to use the phrase Yahweh. And that word, that phrase Yahweh, appears more than 6,000 times in our Bible, and it's always referred to where you see the Lord in small capital letters. It's hard to translate into English. We might want to think of it as whatever I am, I will be. So when Moses asks God for his name, this is the answer. I am who I am. I will be what I will be. Whatever I am, I will be. I am. This is who God is. This is his character. This is his identity. One commentator wrote that this is the inexhaustible name of God, reflecting that this name gives us an indication of God's character. It tells us that he is completely and utterly reliable, a true character, a God who will never let us down. It tells us that he will be that way forever as he has already been that way forever. That whatever happens, God will be there And God will be sufficient. It tells us that God is. It can be a tough one to really wrap our minds around. It's not a passive thing, God's isness. To say God is, is to reflect the activeness of God's nature. That in every place and at every point of time, he is. Yahweh also tells us that God is totally and completely sovereign. He is beyond our control. And there will always be far, far more to his character than we will ever understand. It tells us, as that commentator already alluded to, that that God is inexhaustible. He offers, and indeed it's the essence of his character and who he is, an endless abundance to us. Nothing we can do can ever catch him out. He'll never reach the end of his resources, never have an empty tank. That is his nature. I am. And what's more, by revealing his name to us as Yahweh, God reveals something extraordinarily personal about himself. Because this isn't a title, this is his name. And the fact that God reveals his name to Moses tells us something extremely significant. It tells us that God longs to live in intimate relationship with us. 
He doesn't want us to just speak of him by his titles. He has titles, and yes, those titles are good, and they are helpful, and we will look at those titles over the next few weeks. And as we do that, they will help us build a bigger picture of who God is. But God reveals his name to Moses, Yahweh. There are strong echoes here with the life and ministry of Jesus, who during his ministry repeatedly encouraged his disciples and those who gathered around him to pray and speak to God intimately, as a son or daughter would speak to a father. And note how Jesus refers to himself at the end of the reading we had today from John's Gospel, where under questioning and under pressure, he simply says, before Abraham was born, I am. A clear statement by Jesus that he is Yahweh in flesh and blood. Jesus, whose own name means God saves, shows us the essence of who God is in person. One of the difficulties of our modern translations of the Bible is that we have replaced and understandably replaced Yahweh with the Lord. It's a necessary thing, otherwise our readings would be very clunky. And while I don't want to get bogged down in a biblical translation discussion, one of the things I think that does is removes the relational aspect we see of God. Yahweh speaks to us of a God as a relational being, one who wanted to relate to Moses and did relate to Moses by his name, and one who wishes to do the same to us as well. That dynamic can change how we see and understand our own relationships with God. A lot of what we do in our Christian lives is trying to know more about God. I'm not for a minute saying that that is not important. We absolutely should learn more about God. It's a crucial part of our discipleship. But knowing about God can never be a substitute for knowing God. God is intrinsically a relational being, and at the core of a relational being is the desire to relate It's clear in this conversation between God and Moses that we read this morning. Later in Exodus, we read that Moses and God talk to one another as friends. God doesn't enter these relationships because he needs it. We heard that last week. He doesn't need the relationship with us to be fulfilled. He desires it because he loves us. I think A.W. Tozer put it beautifully when he said simply that God waits to be wanted. God waits to be wanted. And I think the more we understand God as Yahweh, the more we relate to him by name rather than by title, the deeper we will go in our walk with him. We can learn, for instance, from Moses' interactions with God in this passage that honesty and rawness are how God loves for us to relate to him. Moses asks blunt questions, makes repeated requests for reassurance. And out of that conversation, out of that friendship, comes the revelation of God's name. I also think that it's only when we begin to grasp God's character, his I amness, his Yahweh ness, that all that we do in response really begins to make sense. Think of prayer, mission, worship, discipleship. All good, crucial things 
that we do as a church, we should be doing as a church and as individuals as well. But only when we know for whom we do them and the character of that God do they find their true meaning. So God reveals his name to Moses, the name Yahweh, I am. But even in this encounter with Moses, in Exodus 3, God only reveals part of what his name means. His revelation comes in drips. To fully understand his name, his character, his identity, who God is, we'll have to turn a few chapters forwards to Exodus 34, again to find a conversation between God and Moses. And it says this, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord, I am. As he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. This is the name of God. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. He does not leave the guilty unpunished and he punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents. This is God's name, this is God's character, and it is not without complexity, particularly the last line, the punishing of the children, can feel like a jarring end. We don't have time this morning to enter into that discussion other than to simply remind ourselves that God doesn't always look exactly how we would like him to look. And that for me, that last line seems to point towards the bigger idea that God is desperate to rid this world of sin, to do so for our good, so that we can be brought back into relationship with him. This is our God. This is I am, who calls us to know him not by title, but by name, whose character is unchanging and stable, as it has always been, as it is, and as it always will be. And what God wants more than anything is for us to know him. To not just know about him, but to know him deeply. To converse with him as Moses did, with rawness and honesty that comes from the depths of who we are. As I've said, God doesn't need us to do this, but he longs for us to. We aren't required to do it, but we are invited. And the more we get to know God the more we'll find ourselves compelled to know him more. I wonder this morning how well you would say you know God. Perhaps you know a lot about him, but feel you don't know him. It might be you sit there and you think, actually, I feel at the moment I know God well. Delight in that, celebrate that, rejoice in that. Because the more you know him, the more you will want to know him. But perhaps, like me, you find yourself thinking, I know lots about God, I just wish I could know God more. I would encourage you this week to spend time in prayer, understanding what it means for God to reveal his name to us. Spend time asking him to do the same in your life, asking him to speak his name to you, his character to you. 
Perhaps you might want to ask someone here with you this morning or another friend whom you trust to simply pray that you would know God better over the next week. Prayer ministry at the end of the service this morning is a really good chance to do that. Like Moses, simply come to God as you are, your defense is down, and speak to him by name. Relate to him as a friend as Moses does. Remember that he has revealed his name to us. Remember that he knows us by our names and that that is the beginning of the beautiful relationship we share with him. And ultimately, the reason he reveals his name to us is not solely for our good, but for his glory. We do it for his glory and for the advancement of his kingdom on earth. God longs for people who will carry this name, Yahweh, into the world around them. He longs for people who, out of their own deep relationship, knowing God as I am, take that name and all it represents of God's character and to shine it brightly into the world. So wherever you find yourself tomorrow, whatever you find yourself doing, remember that you are called by the God whose name is I am. You are loved by the God whose name is I am and that you get to speak to him by name. Amen.